Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have the hard rock band Failure Anthem coming on momentarily. So the lead guitarist Kyle O'Dell is going to be calling in. So it's going to be a great interview tonight. They're going to be one of the many amazing bands that I've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing. Some of the bands that are going to join include Sons of Texas, Red Sun Rising, From Ashes to New, Starset, Shaman's Harvest, Otherwise, Art of Dying, and the list goes on. So please check out the podcast. They're all available on my station site as well as on iTunes to um, download and uh, take a listen. I really do some interesting interviews where each interview is very unique and different, and you're going to learn a lot of stuff about these bands that you probably won't see elsewhere. So I'm going to show you're going to get a great taste of what these people's lives are like and what it's like to be in their profession. Before I bring Kyle on, I always like to just uh, throw out a disclaimer that I am a clinical psychologist, um, but my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes. We're not doing any type of therapy, but we do like to have a good time on my show. So sometimes we will get into stuff and explain it in more of an educational format. Um, And my other passion is the entertainment industry. I'm a singer-songwriter. I also do some writing for some magazines, and I really wanted to combine my interviewing background with my passion for entertainment to create a forum where I can bring people on and really help and support them and get their names out there. Personally, I do everything independently, so I know how challenging and difficult it can sometimes be. So if you're tuning in tonight, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. If you want to call in, the number is 805-243-1320, and that is available on the station page. I have a chat room open, but I will be uh, primarily focused on the interview tonight. So let's do some uh, background uh, introductions for Failure Anthem, and then I will bring Kyle on. So Failure Anthem is a hard rock band. They're based out of Greensboro, North Carolina. And, you know, it's really interesting with these guys, although they've only been around for really a short period of time. We're looking at maybe two to three years. They're quickly making a major name for themselves as a national band. The guys have signed with Razor and Tie, and they will be releasing their phenomenal debut album, which I've had a chance to preview, and it really is packed with just one amazing song after another. It's titled First World Problems. It will be released on January 22nd. So if you haven't, pre-order a copy or be sure to pick one up. Um, their music is currently playing all over the place. I became familiar with them personally from Sirius XM Octane, which is where I find a lot of some newer upcoming bands, and their hit single Paralyzed is regularly in rotation. The band has toured with Hailstorm, Like a Storm, and all that remains, and they are going to be having an upcoming tour called the Bad Reputation Tour, where they're going to be on a, a bill with Adelita's Way, Through the Fire, and Eye on Attraction. So without further ado, let's uh, bring Kyle on. Um, looks like we'll have to wait a second. I don't know if he has not called in yet, but um, what we can do in a second is I can play a single of theirs that is out. So I also want to thank Claire Reynolds tonight from Razor and Tie Records for um, setting up the interview. Um, I've done a lot of interviews with her, and it's really been a pleasure working with Razor and Tie and promoting many of their bands on my radio show. So what we can do for a minute is I can uh, play one of their songs while we wait for him to call in. So let's check out their uh, title track. This is in rotation on radio stations right now. It is titled First World Problems, and uh, check it out. We'll be back in a moment. Who is this American 
right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show, First World Problems, which is the title track off of Failure Anthem's upcoming album, which will be out on January 22nd. So you ha- if you haven't already, be sure to definitely pre-order a copy or plan to pick it up. It is a phenomenal album, and as I mentioned in the intro, I've had, ha- had a chance to preview it, and it is nonstop in rotation uh, when I work out, when I drive, etc. So it's really great stuff. You have to check it out. All right, so Kyle has called in. Let's uh, bring him on the air. Hi, hey, how Kyle, are how are you? Good, how are you? Hey, what's up? I'm good. Good, good. Welcome good. to the show. I just um, had played your song because I did an introduction and I didn't see you call in yet, so I was like, I just wanted to buy a little time, so it worked out perfectly. Okay, awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so believe me, I know how to go by the fly now. So, um, yeah, so welcome to the show, and uh, you'll have to check out the intro I did for you guys because I uh, did a nice uh, introduction. But... um. Let's start out just a little bit. Tell me about um, yourself, where you grew up. Was it in Greensboro, North Carolina? Um, I was actually born in Martinsville, Virginia, but I grew up in Eden, North Carolina, which is about 45 minutes north of Greensboro. Okay. Okay. And um, just tell us, growing up, before you maybe got interested in music, you know, tell us a little bit about what were you like as a kid? Were you into sports? Was there anything you know, particularly interesting that you like to do? Yeah, um, I was super into baseball. I played baseball for a long time. I played right up until high school when I got my – and that was around the time I got my first guitar, and that was kind of the end of uh, me playing sports. I got obsessed with music at that point. But, uh, but yeah, most of my childhood I – I just played baseball and hung out with, you know, did the normal kid stuff and played video games and all that stuff. It's nothing like too crazy music related. I do remember being like super attached to, uh, to different records and stuff that my mother had showed me. The music was a big part, but I didn't really start playing until high school. Okay. And what were some of those, you know, reflecting back as a kid, what were some of those records that your mom exposed you to that, you know, interested you and then probably later in life started to really, you know, capture your attention when you got a guitar? Yeah, I I think probably the biggest one, and it's going to be like a cliche one, I guess, but the biggest one was the Black Album. Um, I got, I got, I remember going with my mother at midnight when the Black Album came out and buying it at like a midnight release at the local CD store. And that was a huge one for me, like that experience and that record and everything. And probably since then, James Hetfield still remains to be my number one, you know, influence overall. Nice. Um, Other than that record, probably like anything by the Scorpions or Van Halen, those two bands were huge for me. Cool. Very cool. So any other family members, you know, do you have any brothers or sisters, anyone else involved in music or entertainment? No, not really. My uh my brother is an incredibly talented and successful hairstylist and I mean he's amazing. Cool. He's in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we both are in the I mean, I guess that can be considered. Yeah, a that's form definitely of that's art, an art. art Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you can't just do it. You have to, you know, I think, you know, he was just born with an extraordinary talent at that. So, yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Any yeah. other siblings or just, just a brother? Um, Just just him. I mean, I have some, um, I have foster parents. He's, that brother is my blood brother, but my foster parents, I have a, they're in a brother. And okay. my brother from that family served in the military and he was in like desert storm and things like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that side's a little more of like the normal, not very like art related side. Right. But still that takes a lot of, as you, I'm sure, you know, I mean, again, thank you to him for his service and everything that takes just, wow. You know, just a lot of, Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm thankful for people who do that every day. Yeah, 
Oh, my gosh, I know I couldn't do that, but that's just it. Very, very impressive and just something to really look up to. So that's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, seriously, yeah. So, um, okay, so let's yeah. let's progress a little bit. So, you know, you get a guitar. What was, you know, what was going on that you started to get interested in guitar? Did you have friends in bands or, you know, what kind of sparked your interest? Um, I think that my dad played guitar, but I I didn't really have, like, my dad wasn't really a part of my life, but I kept okay. remembering my mom, my biological mother, talking about how he played guitar. And he, she was like, I think that you could play guitar. And I was always just like, oh, oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, right. when, I was, uh, when I was 14, she bought me a guitar and a practice amp. And I was just kind of like, um, you know, I don't really know what to do or what to do with it. But I, like, tried and I messed around with it. But, uh. When I was 15, she passed away, and that kind of the guitar thing, the fact that it was what it was the last thing that she gave me, and all that, I, I like locked myself in a room for like two years and just learned everything I could learn. And after oh, that, it was I'm just so, like an obsession. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's I I did read about that when I was doing some research on you guys, and you know I don't you feel comfortable to talk about whatever you'd like. I don't want to bring anything up that might be, you know what I mean, just just too personal. But, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. No, it's okay. I mean, you know, it's a it's a hard thing to deal with when you're that young, but yeah. I learned a lot from that experience, and it kind of gave me a, an appreciation for the things around me mm-hmm. that I think it takes some people a while to gain that appreciation, but I kind of got it straight out the gate because it was such a big impact that going through that. Sure. Yeah, just like the loss. But like you said, it seems like you really took to the guitar and it's almost symbolic of your mom, so to speak. You know what I mean? That you you took that, that item and really incorporated it into yourself and your life and made an amazing, you know, journey out of it and your musical, you know, talent. I mean, it's just fascinating. Thanks. Yeah, it's, that was that was the big drive for years. I mean, now, you know, I do it just because I love it. But for years, you know, it was because I loved it and I wanted to kind of be what she wanted, what she hoped I would be. And it just so happened to work out that that was what I loved doing more than anything. So it wasn't like I was just doing it for that sole purpose. Right. Right. No, that's great. That's great. So you're around, like you said, 15 years old. You're really getting into guitar. You have this, you know, huge loss in your life. And um, did you have a lot of support from other people around you as you're really getting into music and, you know, wanting to, when did you decide you want to pursue this as, you know, potentially a career? Um, I think, I think I knew, like, I think I knew from the start. It just wasn't like, you know, in the back of my mind, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. But it took a while for me to, like, really snap into it. I think I think two or three years into playing, I was, you know, I played my first show, and that was kind of it. It was like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. I don't really want to do anything else. Yeah. Right. So you're about about how old at that point, like 17, 18? Uh, yeah, I think I played my first show at 17. I was, I think, yeah, around that time period, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, I'm assuming you graduate high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And did I, you go I, on to any further, any further education or vocational or anything like that? No, I, you know, I thought about going to college, but it was so clear to me that playing mm-hmm. music was was the thing that I wanted. And I'm, I'm sure that that scared my foster parents so much because it's such a. Uh, an unknown thing like you right. know uh, to me it yep. was like yep I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna go somewhere and and that's it but to anybody else it was like oh gosh here here <laughs> we go you right, know and right. it but yeah I never I never went to school after that I, I toyed with the idea a couple times but I couldn't ever bring myself to do it okay so were you just kind of working some jobs and, you know, getting involved in bands and stuff to try to, you know, kind of get your your music going, so to speak? 
Yeah, I I I spent a lot of time playing shows locally and and regionally. You know, every once in a while, the band that I was in at the time would go to like Tennessee or South Carolina or D.C. But I spent okay. a lot of time playing and learning how to write and watching other bands around me, like some of the bigger local bands, and um, just doing that. Not I. I haven't been in a ton of bands. I've just right. spent a lot of time and a lot of years playing. Right, definitely. So while you're in bands, did you have any interesting, I know I've talked with some guys, you know, from different bands, and they've had some really interesting stories about, you know, jobs they had on the side just to, you know, sustain their livelihood while they're working to get their music to the next level. So was there anything interesting you were doing? Well, not really. I, I you no. know, I just had like normal I had normal jobs. It was you know, I worked at Walmart and I worked at Subway okay. and then I worked right. at the Salvation Army for a little while and um you know, I just a lot of really really normal jobs. I didn't do anything okay. crazy. I don't think I I don't think I remember doing anything crazy. I don't think so. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So Let's talk about a little bit, um, like you said, you weren't in a lot of bands. It, it sounded like you said you were more of dabbling by, you know, learning by watching people and getting your hands on songwriting skills and things like that. So Failure Anthem came together around 2013-ish. Is that when you guys started to come together? Yeah, I believe that's right. It was, yeah, because we played a show that year with, with like, we played our first show as a band that year, I believe, with Like a Storm and Scott Stapp. So I think that, nice. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and it was interesting. I mean, there's so many, I, I really took to your bio and stuff and want to ask you some question, more, you know, detailed questions, but it was interesting to read that you were basically working in the studio, right, with your friend, um, Drew. And I mean, yeah. you were working with some major people. I mean, recording, I guess, co-writing, et cetera, with bands like Motionless and White I read, which is just, wow, phenomenal. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what you were doing on the side, you know, as a producer or writer, and then also, I guess, in the night, evenings, you were starting to kind of write your own material. Yeah, it was, uh, I was in this, I was in this band at the time, and it was just like, everyone was so busy. I was working in the studio, and I got into, like, the studio work by accident. I was in this metal band years ago, and we had gotten signed to this label, and we needed to write a record, so I bought stuff to record demos for that band to write with, and that okay. kind of snowballed into me recording my friend's band's demos, and then eventually I was just, like, working full-time recording bands, and I was in this band, and it just wasn't working. Other members had, like, careers, and so, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to focus on recording. We did... Like, uh, we did a bunch of cool bands, like Kane Hill on Rise Records, and we worked with Motionless and all that. Um, right. One night, at, you know, I just started writing some songs. I was bored, and uh, I felt inspired to write. So I wrote three songs, and uh, I showed them to my best friend, Drew, who worked at the, it was his studio that I worked out of. Okay. And he was like, this is kind of cool. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to do with it. So that was when I found JD. I had recorded JD's band like four years prior or something. Okay. And uh, he was doing like an acapella version of a song. So I hit him up and I was like, hey, you want to come do these songs? See what happens or whatever. And he came up <laughs> and recorded them. And I'm pretty sure the first one we did was Paralyzed. And uh Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean so after we got done with that one the first night it was it was kind of apparent that it was gonna be something that we turned into a real project. That's awesome. And how long did it take yeah. you to write Paralyzed? And you know, while we're talking about that, we'll check that out shortly. But um yeah, how long did it take you to write that song? It's a great song. Uh, <laughs> that's the funny part. I wrote that song in about 15 minutes. Those are the best, right? Just, Not always, but they do say <laughs> that, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah, I was just sitting on the couch with an acoustic, and I was like, okay, this is the beginning and first, and here's the chorus, and here's the middle. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm done. And oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, it just turned into that. Yeah. And I was. I didn't really think there was going to be anything crazy. I had these two other songs that I'd spent 
a good amount of time on, and I was like, these are super cool. These are going to be the ones. And then we did Paralyzed, and I was like, all right, well, I guess that just goes to show that the ones that you spend the most time on aren't always going to be the ones that blow you away. Right. Well, yeah. it, it depends. It depends. Like you said, I mean, it's not always going to be a cookie cutter approach, but yeah, I mean, it's a great track. And did you have any, um, know the ideas for that or any lyrics or was it JD who came in and, and put the lyrics and melodies to it? Um, JD and Drew worked together on the vocal like side okay. of that. I just kind of, uh, you know, I would just kind of put my input in as far as like, ah, I don't really like that. Or I do like that. But I mean, the vocals came together just as quickly as the song did. It was it was just cool. one of the songs that when we sat down to work on it, everything just kind of fell together really seamlessly and easily, and everybody was just kind of like, okay, well, that was easy enough. Nice, nice. And and just to yeah. really quick to pull in a little bit, I mean, J.D., he has an interesting background, too. Is he like some esteemed chef who's worked with Wolfgang Puck? And, I mean, he's got an interesting background. Oh yeah, he's uh, you know, he was in a metal band also prior that it was like more almost like power metal, and uh, wow, that that was why I knew I was like this dude's a crazy vocalist, so I'm gonna see if he wants to do it. Um, but yeah, and he's he's an insane chef. He's you know he always told me back in the day like how much he he loved to cook and all this stuff and. Yeah, you, you obviously take interest in it because you want to learn about other people, but you never realize until they do it for you. And then he was staying at my house because he lived in South Carolina at the time. He was staying at my house that week to do those songs, and he was cooking for me every day. And I was just like, geez, Louise, I'm getting spoiled. Right, right. Like these crazy, <laughs> like crazy meals that he concocts. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. And how long ago did you meet JD? Have you guys known each other for a really long time? Oh, uh, it's it's been about like five years, oh, five okay. or six years. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's let's pull in the other members, and then we'll uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll uh, check out Paralyzed. So you know, tell us a little bit about how Will and Zane and Ryan. I know you worked with Will, I think, for a while, right? I've read about ten years. You guys have been writing together. Well, um, Will, when I was in that metal band years ago, we had this storage unit that we rehearsed at that it felt like every band in Greensboro rehearsed at. Like every band that we were friends with and that we played shows with were in that same storage facility. So we were like neighbors or whatever. And Will was in this band at the time called The Last Regard. And I, I remember him coming over to our unit. I think he was like... 16, 15 or 16 years old, and okay. he was like, hey, man, can you, can you like, teach me how to play some stuff? And <laughs> I was just like, yeah, sure. So we sat down, I taught some riffs or whatever, and <clears throat> then we became, like, really good friends, and he joined a, another band that was on Epitaph called Farewell, and um, we've known each other for that for that time period, which has been, like, 12 years now at this point. And, uh, yeah, just just became really close friends. So when there was when we were looking for another guitarist, it was just kind of a no-brainer for me to ask Will to do it. Nice, nice. Yeah. And how did, um, how did Zane and Ryan also, you know, round out the rest of the band? How did you guys get them on board? Yeah, I knew Ryan through a bunch of friends, and I had spoken to him a few times on Facebook, and we, uh, he had played in a country band out here that, that my friend Dusty had also played in. And I knew him from that and from his past band yearling. And, um, yeah, I was just like, Hey dude, I don't, he was a guitarist. So I was kind of like, I don't know if he's going to do this, but I was just like, right. Hey, you want to play bass for this? And he, he was like, yeah, sure. Cool. So that was kind of cool. how he ended up in it. Um, Zane, was the intern at the studio that I worked at. Oh, wow. And he was just, I just remember him being this, like, incredibly nice, like, incredibly nice, like, almost too nice. But now I've discovered this weird, like, he likes to make little remarks that, yeah, he's a a feisty (laughs) little guy. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he worked at the studio and he played drums and 
I, I just I loved his personality, and we had gotten so close over the years of like being around each other that it was kind of the same thing. It was a no brainer when when I asked Drew, I was like, "Do you think I should ask Zane if if he wants to play drums?" And Drew was like, "Absolutely." So I called Zane, and he was on board immediately. So that was nice. the entire band. It was it was pretty easy to get everybody together. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah, it's very impressive because the stories that you hear unfortunately with people, you know, you know, band members coming in and out and just people being replaced nonstop. So I mean that's that's really nice that things came together pretty well for you guys and everyone gets along, so really cool. And if you don't mind yeah. asking, what's the name of um Drew's studio? What's the if you wanna Um, it was put that called Think Sound. It was called Think Sound at the time. He's okay. since moved to L.A., and he operates under oh. a different name, which is a pretty funny name, but it's awesome. It's called Wizard Blood. So Yeah, he, Wizard Blood. Wizard Blood, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so he's in L.A. doing that, and then I have, a studio, I have a studio out here in North Carolina, and I just operate under my name. Very cool. So when you guys aren't touring and stuff, you be you're producing bands and and making basically an income that way too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do a lot of co-writing and producing and stuff like that. Very cool, cool. All right, so let's do this. Tell us a little bit about um, Paralyzed. If there's any, you know, tell us a little bit, um, and then we'll uh, check it out. Um, yeah, Paralyzed. I mean, it's just a song about you know, it. it Obviously, it sounds like a person, and and I think at the end of the day, that's what it's about as a person. But I think it can also be representative of a a place or something happening in your life <laughs> that makes you realize that that's what you're supposed to be doing and have. Yeah, pretty much something that that you know, like that's that's where I'm supposed to be for the rest of my life. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, or who I'm supposed to be beside. So, and I think it's, again, I like your music because I think it's really open to interpretation. I mean, you know, anytime I listen yeah. to music where I can kind of apply it to myself in my own way, I think it's really cool. And you guys definitely have that knack and style for writing like that. So, yeah, it's a great thing, yeah. too. All right, cool, Kyle. I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to check it out, and then uh, we'll come back and continue with the interview. All right? Okay, perfect. Perfect. Okay. All right, everyone, you're listening to Kyle from Failure Anthem. We're going to check out their hit single, Paralyzed, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I uh, initially heard this song on Sirius XM Octane and was immediately attracted to the fans, and they've got some great stuff in the works for their new album, so be sure to either pre-order a copy or pick it up on January 27th, sorry, 22nd, not 27th, and it is titled First World Problems. So here we go. Check out Paralyzed, and we'll be back in a moment. Floating away Drifting to a distance Watching people fade I wish you would have known I jump into the future And let it all go I thought I had it all When I saw your face I watched my kingdom fall No more time to waste Life started over
Again, by Failure Anthem, amazing track off of their album, as I mentioned, which will be out on January 22nd. That is titled First World Problems. So be sure, as I said, to uh, check it out and pick up a copy. It's just packed with amazing songs one after another. There's definitely no fillers on this album. So uh, be sure to check it out. All right, let's bring Kyle back on. All right, Hello. Kyle, great song. Really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Thank you. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about with this album that you know we're going to talk about the album. How did you um, meet up with? I think it was Larry Mazur was the rock manager that you guys started working with. Yeah, um, first I met and he, he's a really close friend of mine, um, Scott Marceron, and I was working super early in the morning at the studio, and Scott came in and he was like how are you doing, you know, and we're doing, like, the usual, like, chit-chat, catching up because right. we're not from the same area, and he asked me what I'd been up to, and I said, well, I've been, I was, I was like, messing around with this rock band, and he was like, well, let me hear it, so I showed him Paralyzed, and he was like, can I show this to somebody, and I was like, sure, why not, <laughs> so he was, cool. like, sending it off to this, like, mysterious other person. And he kept being like, okay, he wrote me back. He wants to hear more. So I just kept giving him songs to send to this person on the other side. And then next thing I know, he's like, okay, cool. He was like, uh, tomorrow morning I need you to get on the phone with this guy. I was like, okay, whatever. And uh, so I get up the next morning, and he calls, and he's like, hey, it's Larry Mazer. And I was like, hey, what's up? He goes, I don't know if you know who I am. Gives me, you know, explains who he is and everything. He's like, I want to manage your band. And I was like, all right, sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> and that was wow. Kind of, yeah, it just kind of happened out of nowhere. It was it was pretty uh, it was pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So, and who was your friend Scott? It was just some guy they were friends with who kind of stopped by the studio from time to time. Um, Scott uh, Scott is a manager also. He works for Higher okay. Ground Management, and um, he was he manages his son's band. Bad Seed Rising from Roadrunner, and they I've were. I've had them on my show. Their, That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, we were doing their record at the time, ah. and um, I didn't know that they were in. Drew was actually the one working on the record, but uh, I came in that morning, and I guess I accidentally woke Scott up because it was like seven in the morning. And he comes in, starts talking to me, and whatnot, and that just. I had met him maybe six months prior when we first started working on their stuff. So yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, and now he's, he he also helps manage Failure Anthem too. Cool, very it's, cool. It's him and All right. Together. Yeah. So you know what I thought was really interesting uh, that I read about you guys was that you know you basically recorded, produced, and, and mixed your own album, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Which is yep. that that to me is very impressive because you know usually you get signed to a label and you know often they want to you know bring in their own people and re-record or so tell us a little bit about you know how you did that because I think that is just something that is like I said really impressive that you guys were able to just record your own album and say basically here it is and we're ready to go. Yeah, I I recorded it. I recorded like demos of the songs. But I'm not like really good at just demoing stuff. I, I, I even if I say it's a demo, I end up doing like as much of the full quality as I can possibly do. Right. So I'd already 
pretty much done like commercial quality recordings of it. And then Drew was handling all the vocal production and stuff. So when we got done with it and we gave it to our manager and they gave it to the label, they were like, it sounds, they were pretty much like, uh, that works. That's perfect. We'll just, we'll just use this. And we were like, okay, cool. So yeah, I, I handled all the music and all that stuff. And, Drew came in and handled the vocals. So it was a joint effort between he and I. Right, right. Any moments where you felt like, you know, it's hard. I mean, I'm a singer-songwriter, and sometimes you just get a little too close to your music. And, you know, was it hard at times to kind of go in with a, you know, clean ear, so to speak, you know what I mean, versus getting too caught up in maybe some stuff? Yeah, I think. I think when it's your own project, you you tend to lose a certain level of objectivity, and right. uh, right. that that that's where Drew was really helpful because, I mean, we we had like thirty songs, and oh, wow. you know some of them it was just obvious that the, those were not the songs, and and he right. helped with that because you know you get a little too close to the stuff and you think everything's perfect and. You know, it, you need somebody else to come in and go either that's good enough or that's not good enough. And he was very helpful in that world, making sure that, okay. that I didn't settle or that I didn't overthink anything. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely important important to have someone like that that can kind of just say, all right, you know, like you said, like if you're going too crazy with something and, you know, nitpicking, say, you know what, enough is enough, let's move on. So I think that's good that you had a you know, someone else who could do that for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, so how did you guys get linked up with Razor and Ty? I mean, wow, great label. And I can't imagine that you didn't have other offers. Um, and if you did, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what was it about Razor and Ty that you guys, you know, were attracted to and felt that they were a really good fit? Um, Larry, Larry introduced Razor and Ty to the material and, uh, you know, Mike Gitter, who was there at the time, hit mm-hmm. me up on Facebook so they really loved the band. And, you know, uh, Razor and Tide just seemed really, I don't know, it just seemed right and it seemed perfect and it has been perfect. It's been, I, I can't, I can't sing my praises of that record label enough because they've been so good to us. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it was just the one from the get go mm-hmm. that made the most sense okay. and, and just seemed like it was it was our home. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed, as I said in the intro, Claire has been great. I've been booking a lot of interviews with her, and just, you know, everyone has had nothing but, you know, nice and great things to say about the label. And personally, me just working with, you know, some of the different people that are on the team, again, just really professional people, and it's, it's just a pleasure to work with them. So, oh, yeah. You know, both yeah, the entire them. team's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very impressed, definitely. Um, cool, cool. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about your writing process. When you were putting your 30-plus songs together for this uh, album, you know, was it kind of piecemealing stuff? You had an idea that you'd kind of start working on and then maybe move to something else? Tell us a little bit about how you guys, you know, approach a song if you have a certain style. Um, yeah, I do. I do a lot of the writing in the band. Um, it usually starts with either, like, I'll have like a chord progression for a chorus or something and and I'll just I'll build off of that or it'll start with like we have a we have a lot of electronic stuff and and the stuff on the it may not seem very electronic heavy at times but I'm like super um influenced by like 9 inch nails and and cool. some of the european metal bands like soil work and stuff so I would like make a patch or like a a uh, just some kind of synth I don't know, patch or drum loop or something, and it would build off of that. And okay. Yeah, it's usually off of one of those two. It's off of some some type of electronic part that I've written or like a chorus chord progression that I've made. Cool. And how long overall yeah. did it take you guys to, you know, to write the album? Um, it took. Oh man, uh, it took about. I mean, if I condensed it down, I'm sure it would be a lot shorter than what I'm about to say. But I think it took <laughs> about a year because between working on okay. records and having free time to 
to devote to working on the record. It probably took about a year. Okay. Okay. Well, a year again, well worth spent. I mean, seriously, it's it's one of my favorite albums, and and I've you know been getting a lot of material, and it's just seriously, Kyle. I mean, every song is just great on it. It's it's really solid. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. it. Definitely. Yeah. Really cool. So, um, yeah, a couple of other, you know, little questions here and there. How did you guys come up with the name Failure Anthem? I, you know, I read a little bit about the band and kind of this underdog quality and, you know, that kind of a component. But tell us a little bit about how you guys, you know, did you sit around? Did people throw out names? How did you guys come up with it? Yeah, we, th- we threw out a few different names. And it was always just kind of like none of them resonated straight out the gate and, um, I'm I'm just like hardcore into the concept that if my if my gut instinct doesn't like you know jump or something when I hear something, then it's just not the thing that I'm supposed to do. Um, right. So so we had a few different names, and then um, I always loved this band, the Gaslight Anthem. I always okay. loved that yeah. band. I thought their name was awesome. I thought it was so cool. I loved I loved how the word anthem was in the name. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to do something with that word, and I couldn't think what. And then I remembered, like, one of my favorite bands, Soilwork, had a song called The Grand Failure Anthem. And I was mm-hmm. like, Failure cool. Anthem is so awesome. I was like, so it's like <laughs> two bands that I love, and I got, like, inspired, you know. But so many bands have, have gotten their names from a lyric or, anything like that and that's kind of what that was for me it jumped that's out cool. and then it, it took on a meaning for us you know with like the underdog theme and all that so it was it was the one that when i said it everyone was kind of like yep that's it that's the one that's cool that's really cool and tell us a little bit about i mean you got like kind of some symbol you guys use it looks like it's a triangle with i don't know if it's some type of a I'm not sure what specifically is inside of the triangle, but tell us a little bit about the the symbol that's used for the failure anthem logo. Yeah, it's just a it's like a tattered upside down white flag. Okay. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just it just looked really awesome, and uh, I think I think the idea the like upside down white flag just I guess like maybe like you're not going to give up or. Or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, most importantly, obviously, it looked cool to us. So, so yeah, yeah I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that fits well. It definitely fits well. Again, with, like you said, the symbolism of what you guys represent. Um, and the album cover is really cool, too. I mean, I was kind of trying to look at it. I mean, again, I'm a psychologist. I love to analyze stuff. I mean, I have an art background, too. So, you know, tell us a little bit about the artwork, you know, who, if you know the person who designed it and you know, it looks like it's it's pieces of different kind of I don't know. It's almost like row homes. It's like houses. I see some pillars in there. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we, um, my friend Aaron Marsh did the album artwork. He's a really close friend of mine, and Drew and I and him and JD and the others had talked about like having this artwork that was like if you took like a bunch of magazines that had different homes on the front. But uh-huh. not like just regular, not just like regular homes, like like some nice white picket fence home or anything. But like those, and then like homes that are like broken and beaten down and old, and maybe in like a poverty-stricken area all together. Like, right. and you cut it up and you formed it into one picture or whatever. That was kind of what we were going for. Just something that shows like all different sides of everything because. Cool. Yeah, you know, the album's called First World Problems. I mean, we wanted to show how, like, you know, you can be, like, in this nice area, like, mm-hmm. on this block, and then immediately to the left you can be in this area that everyone is struggling to get by. And and you can lose sight of the fact that those people are there and they're going through that when you're too busy complaining about there not being enough sugar or cream in your coffee, which is, like, so right. stupid at right. the end of the day. Yeah, that's yeah. great. It's I like I like the concept and again I like the the analogy that you're making. So yeah, it's really cool. It's a really cool album cover. Very cool. Awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, before we start wrapping things up, you know, what are some of the things I know you guys predominantly are 
writing, recording, producing, you know, et cetera, and now you're going to be touring. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the things you guys like to do on the side. I know that, like we said, J.D. likes to cook. Um, some interesting things about yourselves, whether you like to read books, watch movies, you know, play some type of a amateur sport. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I just, I just produce bands nonstop. Uh, it, okay. That's pretty much my life. Um, I know Will likes to, likes to hang out with his girlfriend and just, just go out and hang out and generally loves to play guitar. So I think he spends a good amount of his time doing that. And, um, Zane helps out with his church and plays. Okay. I think he plays drums for for the church pretty often. And okay, cool. Ryan, I, I don't I don't know what Ryan does. He's always into some kind of <laughs> some kind of craziness that I'm sure Ryan that I'm is? always judging and making fun of. But right. That's what I do. I just I just make fun of Ryan's I don't know his nightlife. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot for me. His nightlife. What is he up to? <laughs> Oh, who knows what he's up to. He's up to something, though. I'm, like, staring oh, him down as I say this. Oh, he's yeah. with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in, the other, he's in the other room. I just stuck my head around okay. and said that, stared at him. I like to make fun of him about it. Oh, yeah. cool. It, Very cool. So yeah. <laughs> you guys have the uh, big upcoming tour, right, with uh, Adelita's Way and some other great bands on the bill. So tell us about, you know, when you guys going out on tour. Um, we leave on, I think our first date's the 20th. Okay. I think that's right. Yeah. I think we leave the 18th. Yeah. Super excited about that one. A lot of, uh, a lot of cool bands on that, on this run and yeah, it should be a blast. I'm, I'm excited to play a lot of these menus again that we just played on the last tour and see hopefully a bunch of familiar faces. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're. Fans also, you know, mean the world to you guys because they're definitely out there, uh, you know, doing what they can to spread the word and get your name out there and get your music out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we could not do this or even begin to do this if it wasn't for for the fans. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, the only reason why we're able to do it is because of them. So if you're not grateful for your fans, then I I feel bad for you because – that's the only way that you're going to do anything is to have those right. people standing by you and and pumping you out around to everyone that they know and just in general sharing their love for what you've made. Right. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to to see what's going to happen when the album comes out. I mean, it's it's very exciting. It's going to be out in what gosh, almost 10 days ish. Yeah, I think I think it's uh it's 11 days. Yeah. 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 Yep, eleven days yep. to the countdown. Very cool. Yeah, well yes, if there's anything else, you know, if you want to share, of course, you know, your Facebook plug, Twitter, things like that, feel free to, you know, to do that. Yeah, um, pretty much all of our social media is, you know, sell your anthem. It's uh Facebook dot com backslash failure anthem. Same with Twitter, it's just sell your anthem, Instagram, all that. You can find us on all those all those outlets. And come say hey to us and talk to us and all that stuff. We enjoy cool. it. Very cool. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on tonight, Kyle. It was a pleasure interviewing you and supporting the band. And uh, if and when you guys, again, you haven't even put the first album out, but when you do have a follow-up album or some music, you're always welcome back on the show to promote it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, great. Well, we'll keep in touch. And uh, I wish you guys the best of luck with the new upcoming album and the tour and everything else that's in the works. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Kyle. Have a great night. You too. Okay. Bye. All right, everyone. Again, Kyle Odell from the band Failure Anthem. Be sure to check out their album. It will be coming out on January 22nd, and you can pre-order it if you'd like now. Tonight, if you tuned in late for any reason to the show, we will have a podcast available once the show is over so you can download it. You can stream it for free. It is available on iTunes as well as on my station page. So once again, I hope you'll check out the interview. Some really cool stuff that these guys shared that, again, personally, I haven't read anywhere. And really interesting journey and story that these guys have about their musical backgrounds and how they got to where they are today. So please uh, follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will also follow you. 
I have a Facebook page, The Carrie Edelman Show, so definitely become a fan. You can keep up with all the upcoming interviews that I have, events, and more. And I do have two personal Facebook pages. One of them is maxed out, so please find the other one that's not. I'd love to keep in touch with people personally that way, too. We do have some other upcoming interviews. I'm just in the works of trying to solidify some of those, so they will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. But in the meantime, there's over 200 interviews to check out. Comedians, filmmakers, uh, predominantly a lot of musicians on my show. So please check out the podcast and familiarize yourselves with some new entertainers. So thank you so much again for tuning in and have a great night. And as I said, just go to the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook and you will see updates for more interviews in the near future. Thanks so much and have a great night.